Industry Under Pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. So, um, my advice uh, for you today, folks, is uh, don't 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 try to eat a piece of saltwater taffy right before you start recording a podcast, or really, really probably you know even before you start talking to somebody if you're going to be standing <laughs> pretty close to them, because um, it takes a little bit longer than you would think to get this out of your teeth, and. Um, so I'm 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 uh, just I'm feeling a little bit impaired at the moment. However, the show must go on, as they say. So, um, so today uh, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this uh, Gartner report that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, actually, it was kind of funny. I, I I did that report, and if you recall, for those of you faithful listeners who are following along at home, uh, you might remember that. Uh, and this was just two episodes ago. It was right before, uh, you know, Ben and Ben and the uh, tracking of militia groups in West Africa, which was fantastic. If you missed that one, you got to go back to last week and listen to that. But before that, I did this review uh, of this Garten report that came out earlier this year where they were, uh, you know, and and maybe I may I might have I might have projected a little bit more onto this report uh than it really warranted, in the interest of of making for an interesting podcast episode. But they're not really. I was referring to these as predictions, and I go back and I look at this now, and I go, well, really, all they were doing is uh, identifying some top trends that are driving the oil and gas industry. So I guess you know, to be fair to uh, to our friends Rich McAvee and Simon Cushing, who are two very uh, well respected analysts that run the uh, all the uh, oil and gas research there for Gartner. Um, you know, these aren't really predictions so much as they were standing at the beginning of 2021. And they said, uh, this, these are the things that are, that are having the most impact and the things that as the year moves on, y- you know, we need to watch for and see how they are uh, driving the oil and gas industry, which is the title of, of the report, Top 10 Trends Driving the Oil and Gas Industry in 2021. But it's still fun to sit here in, uh, as we're now just getting into Q4 and do a little look back and see if um, if it's going the way we thought it would go or the way they thought it would go anyway um, at the beginning of the year. So we're going to do that today. This is going to be part two because a couple of weeks ago I did part, well, the only reason it's part one is because I, I can't, you know, I'm a little bit too long-winded to try to get all top, all of the 10 trends um, discussed in one episode, and uh, so I so I cut. I stopped after five, and now we're coming back and doing. I'm going to do the next five. Um, if you missed it, you know, and you want to hear, and you want to hear part one, um, it, you know, I don't think it's super important that you do these in sequence. So you don't you don't have to stop. You don't have to hit the stop button right now and go back. But uh, you might want to go back after after you're done listening to this. And of course, uh, this all means 
that I don't have a guest today, other than, you know, I guess in some respects, my guests are uh, Rich McAvee and Simon Cushing, two great guys that I have talked with in the past, uh, but they're not here in person. We just have this body of work that we can look at. And uh, it doesn't mean that I'm running out of guests. <laughs> Don't worry. We got, we got, I got some great ones coming up in the next few weeks. But what happened is I did this and um, I wondered, I did the first half and I thought, you know, I wonder if anybody was really even paying attention to that, you know. Um, and, uh, and so then I didn't, I didn't do part two in the subsequent episode. And I got some people that said, hey, what happened to part two of the Gartner Report? You know, we want to hear about that. So here we go. So we're going to do it today. Now, before I get into this, I, I think I'm supposed to say that you are listening to the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. OGGN is the largest and most listened to, and this is where the saltwater taffy is making it a little hard to keep that string of words going all the way through, but we are the most... What, what did I say? We're the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industries. Industries. Industry. Is it oil and energy industry or industries? I, I think we're all one big happy family. At this. Well, we're, we're a family anyway, and we're probably something like a typical family. So uh, if you're not familiar with OGGN, uh, you should be because there is nowhere else where you can get... All of this uh, fantastic content uh, dedicated to this great industry that we love. Um, just go to OGGN.com and you can find out about all of it. Because did I mention we're a network of podcasts? So you can find out about all the other pod, about all the other shows on the network, including my other one, which is kind of a companion to this show. Uh, and it's called Oil & Gas Digital Doers, where we, talk, uh, we do talk about digital and about technology, but... Um, not so much about the like. It's not so much about the tech itself. It's more about like real life stories of people who are getting digital done. And um, and there's a there's going to be a great one this week uh, that you can you can flip over and listen to when you're done with this. And uh, there's a great one last week too with uh, with my old pal Kayla Ball, who um, is always a fun conversation. So so catch up if you're behind. If you don't know about OGGN, then go to OGGN.com. You can find out about all the shows and all the hosts. Or if you are of, uh, and I was just informed about this the other day, that uh, the, the, the current generation that is coming into uh, um, adulthood now, which um, I, I believe, I guess we call Gen Y. I don't know what, when we run out of letters, I don't know what we're going to do. But uh, Gen Y, uh, I was told by a Gen Yer, and this is somebody who's sort of at the, I think probably at the top end of the Gen Y age group, you know, like kind of like not quite a millennial. And um, and he said, yeah, my generation does not look at websites ever. Um, so could be the end of an era there. So if you are, uh, if you're in that generation or if you're, you know, trying to, you know, sort of keep up with the cool kids, then you don't have to go to the website. You can just go to Apple Podcasts. And look for our channel, because you know they got channels on Apple Podcasts now. And uh, you can find out about all the shows there. Now, what you won't see is like all the like the little photos and the bios of the hosts. And you won't be able to read about all of our fascinating backgrounds and, and, and interesting hobbies and, and whatever else is in there. But it's a quick way to get to the shows. And, you know, let's face it. Nowadays, you're listening to a podcast... And you don't really have to read the reviews. You don't really have to read the description. You don't really have to do all. All you really have to do is push play. 
And if and if you're not interested within the first you know minute or so, then you don't have to keep listening. And in fact, some of you might not still be listening to this right now, but that's okay because I know some of you are. So let's get into it. Um, I did. Um, I did the first five. Now you know the way, the way a good, um, uh, the way this is supposed to be done is when I come back for part two before I launch before I turn on the microphone <laughs> and the saltwater taffy and all that. Um, first, I'm supposed to review. I'm supposed to listen to what I said last time um, so that I can kind of maintain the continuity and and oh yeah yeah I talked about this and this. so that so that part two sort of has the same. Um, you know, it's a continuation of part one. Um, but you know, as you probably know, if you're a regular listener, I don't like to, I I never like to be too thoroughly prepared for anything because I think that makes it more interesting for all of us. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to do a little bit of a refresher here in, in case you don't remember. There are these top 10 trends that they've identified. Um, these aren't necessarily um, technology or digital trends. It's not, it's, it's trends in the industry, but as you can imagine, many of them involve digital innovation and various objectives and things like that. And they've got some pretty cool pictures here about how these different trends align to overall business imperatives. That's, uh, that's think tank speak, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's legitimate and, uh, it kind of helps you understand how they all align to the business. And then they've got a little write up for each one. So for the, the first five we covered um, was about uh, the first the first one was uh, oh and I remember they don't have these numbered as you go through the paper so I, it's very easy for me to lose track of what number we're on. So in the audience as you're listening if I you know keep track like just keep track on your fingers as I go through these and that way you can uh, you can let me know if I miss a number. But uh, the first five were uh, you're thinking, why doesn't he keep track on his fingers? They're right in front of him. But enterprise capabilities diverge. Enterprise capabilities diverge as new business strategies emerge. Um, that one, that one took a long time to explain. So I'm not. But just you remember there was that one. And then, uh, then number two was accelerating digital innovation is now table stakes for CIOs. It's uh, it's not an experiment anymore. It's it's the price of admission. Uh, next one was about digital twins, and then comprehensive engineering for intelligent intelligent assets. That was that was a big one. That was number four. Um, then it, then there was kind of this interesting thing about key vendor partnerships and enterprise platforms, which I'm not going to try to summarize. But that was uh, that was kind of fascinating. So now we are on to number six. So let me get to number six. Reliance. Okay, I just, pardon me a minute while I scroll. Uh, this is a PDF, so I can't, and it's not clickable, so I have to actually go down to the place where number six is. Ah, there's number five, key, key vendor partnerships. And now here we are. Um, and now I have to warn you that uh, I haven't, <laughs> I have not, when I did part one, I had just read this thing and, and I had highlighted a few spots and stuff. And uh, this is my first time to look at it since then. So, so we're just going to go through this together. Now, number six, reliance on AI becomes, and now I, I feel like we've reached a point finally uh, in, where we don't have to say artificial intelligence. You know, AI, you know, means artificial intelligence. We all know that now. Um, so reliance on AI becomes more widespread and less 
visible. So it sounds a little like the matrix, but uh, the point here is uh, that AI machine learning um, are gaining acceptance quickly in the oil and gas. Of course, yeah, we see that everywhere. Uh, it was just a couple of years ago where people were highly skeptical, and now we're trying to apply it to everything. Um, and uh, but here's the thing: today they are typically operationalized mostly for specific use cases or particular processes, and they have a separate report that you can read about on that. So, so yeah, so we're seeing AI machine learning all over the place, but it's really kind of, they're, they're kind of aimed at these very specific use cases or very particular processes, um, but AI is on course. So this is, um, this is, this is a bit predictive here. I think, I think it's not unfair to call this a prediction. AI is on course to become commonplace in a whole host of systems and processes in oil and gas and less visible as an independent technology. In other words, it's just going to be kind of baked into everything. And, and it's just going to be part of the, you know, kind of like, I guess kind of like, uh, you know, other, other computer-oriented functions are just sort of part of the fabric of things like you know like math like computers everything every time we use computers for stuff or we apply computers to, to things there's math happening and we just assume that it's sort of happening everywhere and we don't run around saying hey this is a this is a special math solution over here it's just part of the thing what they're saying is AI is gonna just become uh, the same thing and um, and they had a they have a, sh a survey they have a survey that shows uh, the percentage of oil and gas companies. This is why it's trending. It per the percentage of oil and gas companies that had deployed AI or machine learning is more than doubling from thirteen percent to thirty two percent between twenty eighteen and twenty twenty. So we're, what we're saying is that by um, by last year by twenty twenty, one out of every three oil and gas companies was deploying some sort of uh, AI machine learning type of uh, solution. Uh, same survey shows that some 50% of companies plan to increase this investment in 2021, which of course we are now uh, a little bit more than three quarters of the way through 2021. So the question is, is that is that what's happening? Oh, and the final um, little bit that I highlighted here is growing trust in AI across the industry. Trust growing trust in AI across the industry fostered in part by people's experience with consumer use. I don't know if that's making us trust it more or less, but that's going to lower barriers to acceptance um, and kind of make people okay with the fact that it's not always visible or obvious that AI is being used. So I don't know, folks. Uh, uh, I'd be interested to know what you, the faithful listeners, think. I, I think this is probably true. Um, I know that in the beginning of the year, now this, this article, or this report, excuse me, was written in March of this year. Oh, and by the way, this is a public report. You can get it. Uh, you might have to share a little bit of your personal information to get it, but you can get it. So I'm not sharing anything, you know, proprietary that requires a subscription. Um, but this report was done in March. And I remember back in, yeah, it was probably February, OGGN, we did some live stream pr programs um, 
live stream video stuff uh, back when everybody was still kind of staying at home, staying in their house. And, um, whoa, there goes, I forgot to silence that phone ring. Here we go. Um, and we did one on, on AI and, and particularly, you know, looking at it use in, well, in various disciplines. And I remember that part of it, it was a panel discussion, and part of that panel discussion really did deal with trust of, of uh, you know, you know the, the obstacle of trust in these, um, in these capabilities. And I don't think I hear so much of that anymore. Even here we are just eight or nine or ten months later, whatever it is. So I think, um, and, and I do know that, you know, here on the tech show, so many of the guests that I have come on, um, you know, with, with technology solutions aimed at a whole variety of different disciplines and functions and things, it does seem like everybody's got some aspect of AI or, or machine learning built into whatever it is that they're doing. So, um, so I'm going to say my gut says they're right about this and that AI is just, it's just going to sort of melt into the fabric of things and, and it'll just be a part of how things work. So enough on that. Um, next is, uh, what do we have to do now? This is number six. And where am I at? 16 minutes, because I, I have to be careful that I don't wear you out with this. Connected field worker, ah, connected field worker drives efficiency and reliability. Um, I can say that this is, I don't even have to read what they have here. This is definitely a trend. We just did a, um, one of our legendary OGGN, uh, well, we used to call them happy hours. And now we've classed it up a little bit and we call them industry mixers and panel discussions. We always had a panel discussion. Um, and uh, we, we got them rolling again in Houston. We started back in June. Uh, of course, they used to be, we used to do them in, in Houston and several other cities. I think we're looking at going back to Midland pretty soon and eventually maybe back to Denver and, and all the other places. But we did one last week here in Houston, and this was the topic for the panel was Connected Worker. We had our friends from, from uh, Realware and Connected Gateway there and uh, also some, uh, some other folks. And yeah, this is, um, I'm not going to try to recap that panel discussion, but I can tell you that there's a lot of energy going into this right now. Um, and, I, and, and our friends over there at Gartner, they kind of call out the obvious stuff here, improve operational efficiency, optimize assets, digital technologies. Also, by the way, that reminds me, there's a great episode on the Oil & Gas Digital Doers show. Uh, it's, just, it's just a couple back. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was over the summer uh, with Maggie, Maggie Burns from ExxonMobil XTO. And she's, out, she's an operations person who's out there uh, doing this stuff with the connected worker and digitizing, you know, what, what was otherwise, you know, very clipboard and gloves and things like that types of uh, functions. And they're having a tremendous amount of success. Um, here, here uh, Rich and Simon also call out things like bringing in collaboration tools and augmented reality and wearable trackers. I don't know how I feel about wearable trackers, but I think there's probably some good some good use there. And, uh, and here's, um, so uh, this is for sure, this is happening. We see this a lot. Uh, but here's kind of the interesting part, which is um, they say that across, this is why, why is this a thing? Why is it trending? Across the industry, companies have sold assets, reduced capital, and operating expenditure, and, uh, and shed workers. Sure, we've seen that over the last few years, right? The um, not only optimizing and streamlining, but also kind of a shift from uh, certain 
focus areas to others, right? Like, uh, like not as not as much investment and in exploration, more in how do we get more value out of the assets we are already operating. So they've shed this stuff. They've uh, sold assets, reduced shed shed workers. Um, operations and IT typically have fewer resources, both human and financial. Uh, yes, there was a time when resource didn't automatically mean a person. And so they have less of all that than they did in the past. And savvy oil and gas leaders have realized the opportunity to harness digital technologies in more coherent ways to control and orchestrate risk, manage, no, orchestrate work, <laughs> manage risk, and just make things better. So that's that's really what's driving. Um, it's this continued push to be able to operate the things that we are operating um, uh, more better, as they say, and uh, less cost and more efficiency, et cetera. So that, for sure, yeah, that's, I mean, I, that one, I think, um, th I don't think there was any question back in March. I, this was already, this was already happening, and uh, it's, let's see, anything else? Uh, nothing else on that. All right. Um, what is this? Five, six, is this seven? We're only on number seven. I'm going to have to speed it up. Roadmaps to avoid carbon management chaos. So this is a trend driving the industry. Roadmaps to avoid carbon management chaos. And uh, their very first sentence under this, this, uh, this one is, oil and gas companies are under intense and increasing pressure. Hey, an industry under pressure. I feel like I've heard that somewhere before. Uh, in this case, the pressure is coming from governments international bodies, regulatory agencies, and environmental advocacy organizations, and, you know, all the other people that are in the news right now. Um, and, of course, they want our industry to, uh, to, to adopt a bunch of sustainable, environmentally friendly sorts of things. So there's all this pressure. Um, meeting these demands requires fundamental changes to operating models and the technologies. That, so, okay, that's... Sure. Okay. I don't know why I highlighted that. Let's see. What else do we have here? Remember, the topic is roadmaps to avoid carbon management chaos. Um, I guess the point here is that we got to take this seriously. Um, not that as an industry, you know, okay, we could go, we could spend a whole other episode. In fact, I'll get Mark LaCour in here and he could go off on how the oil and gas industry has demonstrated a tremendous amount of responsibility and, and, and has made many things better in the world. But nonetheless, uh, the point is that uh, we got to do this thing called carbon management, and it's going to be very chaotic unless we have roadmaps to avoid the chaos. Um, I don't know. Uh, Rich and Simon, I got to tell you guys, this one seems a little bit like filler. I don't really see in here. I mean, I get the idea, but... Um, you know, agile strategies and planning. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's just a new objective and the industry has to get organized around how do we, um, how do we execute on this objective just like we have on thousands of other objectives. So next, this is, what is this? Number eight, five, six, five, six, nine. I think this is, this is eight, right? I, I, I don't know. I think it's eight. Facing the challenge of attracting fresh talent. Yes, Absolutely. Um, this one just kind of goes without saying. Uh, we've been talking about the, the great crew change for many years now. Um, um, 
I, I think it's actually starting to happen. And, uh, um, of course, we still, you know, <laughs> we joke about how the old crew is still coming back. They've retired, and now they're coming back as contractors. Uh, that's been going on for quite a few years. But, but clearly, but besides the crew change, one of the challenges, and I think this this is what they're saying, the, facing the challenge. So the crew change is a problem with, you know, transferring institutional knowledge from one generation to the next. Um, but attracting fresh talent so that you have someone to transfer the institutional knowledge to is kind of like a whole other problem that didn't used to be so much of a problem in this industry. But it is, uh, so what do they say here? Uh because of long-term trends and the aftermath of the disruptions of 2020, um, oil and gas companies face a future of increasing difficulty in recruiting and retaining top quality. This comes up on 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 OGDM podcasts in various shapes and forms a lot. And um, let's see, to succeed, companies must reposition themselves as attractive and rewarding places to work in a changing societal and economic context. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I think this is certainly a trend, and I think smart people are working the problem, though. I, I, we, we talk to people in various places, operators, oil field service companies, EPC. Like, everybody is—I think, I think we're on it when it comes to this one. I'm not really too worried about it, but I'm not disagreeing with the fact that—or uh, with their statement that this is a trend. I don't know if it's a trend driving the industry, but it's certainly something that— um, that we uh, that we need that people are dealing with. If they're losing sleep over it, I don't know. Not sure. Um, but there's a little bit of advice in here. If you are one of those people who is struggling with this, you should pick up this report because they got some advice uh, in here about how CIOs can uh, attract and retain top talent. And it's from Gartner, so it must be good. Uh, number nine. Are we on number nine? Number nine. Number nine. I feel like the old. Uh, Beatles album, um, or no, maybe I, maybe that's number 10. Did I get to number 10 and I didn't realize I was on number 10? I guess I am. Or maybe I skipped one, but I don't know. We're at 25 minutes, so I should probably wrap up soon anyway. Multiple disruptions yield hybrid reformation, reformation, reformation of IT operating model. Let's try that again. Multiple disruptions yield hybrid reformation of IT operating model. So first of all, there's this, there's definitely some consultant think tank speak in this uh, in this heading because you know the word operating model gets thrown around a lot. But I bet if I took a survey and asked people to define what exactly is an operating model, we might get a variety of answers. Um, uh, hybrid reformation. All right, let's see what this is all about. Ah, five simultaneous disruptions are driving significant changes to IT operating models in the oil and gas industry. Uh, so here are the five simultaneous disruptions. The, the global pandemic of 2020, um, which uh, reduced funding for discretionary, yeah, basically forced a lot of very difficult choices to be made. Uh, the sustained high priority for digital projects designed to generate business cost reduction. So this is an interesting one because it used to be, even, even back in like, let's say, when 2014, 2015, when things got a little ugly, uh, a lot of the new tech type of initiatives were the, like the first on the chopping block. Okay, we're not doing any of that. That's all kind of like luxury spending. Um, but now, with uh, with if you think back to one of the 
trends that was at the beginning of this report about uh, digital becoming table stakes, it, it was, you know, it was clearly seen after the last uh, downturn that we didn't really get completely out of. It was clear that we're not going to get there in terms of the, the, the results that we want, you know, financially and and uh, shareholder value and all that. Like we weren't going to get there using the traditional belt tightening methods, and that and that digital uh, was 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 not optional, and uh, and that it and that it had a lot of held a lot of promise. So what we're saying here is, one of the disruptions is that the sustained high priority of these projects. So it used to be they just would have got cut. Now they're still there, and um, and it's actually. Uh, disruptive in some ways, you know, if you think about we still have to find ways to fund these projects that ordinarily we would have cut. So now where are we going to get that money from? And the, um, and the whole, uh, you know, the whole game goes on. Let's see, number three of the five simultaneous disruptions is uh, the growing demand for new systems and more IT agility as greenhouse gas emissions and energy transition become new business priorities. Hi. Um, okay, so we have more demand for new systems and IT agility on account of greenhouse and energy transition as new priority. All right, so yeah, anytime new major business priorities come in to the picture, it always puts some pressure on uh, on the people who supply all those systems to be able to adapt and incorporate all that. Okay, so fine. So I don't know if I'd call that a disruption. Maybe, maybe. The emergence of alternative methods for delivering IT services. The emergence of alternative methods for delivering IT services, such as secure cloud, composable architecture, DevOps, da da Um... I don't know if that's a disruption. I mean, it just sounds like we got a lot better tools in our tool bag. I don't know where you guys are going with that one, but um, I guess I guess the idea of like there's a bunch of new stuff there and it's coming into the picture. Nah, I don't know. That's a stretch. The reduction of IT staffing levels. Sure. Okay, that was you know in 2020. I think we already covered that somewhere, but certainly a disruption. So the point is, let's. So we go back to this uh, this topic, which was that multiple disruptions yield hybrid reformation of the IT operating model. And uh, there's some survey data in here about how, you know, people expect funding to decrease and expectations to increase. And um, welcome to the world of IT. Uh, implications, ah, every oil and gas CIO now faces a long list of change requirements for the design and operations of their IT. So they're saying, okay, this is what you got to do to to kind of, it, they call it hybrid trans or hybrid reformation. I would just call it wholesale, but um, here's a to-do list for you IT leaders out there. Complete recovery from 2020 budget and staff reductions and reorganizations. Okay, good luck with that. Modernization of SCADA and integrate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bringing the modernization to your OT environments and integrating IT and OT. Yep, we, yep, we know that one. Um, we talk about that all the time on this show. Uh, migration of petrotechnical stuff to a cloud environment. Yep, we see that with OSDU, um, which we've done a couple of episodes here, and we see that uh, with, with some of the other other uh, some of the projects that are happening around some of the operators and with some of the uh, traditional uh, seismic houses 
And uh, so for sure that. Uh, evolution, evolution of service delivery into IT products. I don't know what that means. Making IT planning faster and more responsive. Well, we've been trying to do that since time immemorial. Greater response. Oh, this is a long list. I'm, I can't read all this to you. You guys will change the channel. Greater responsibility for business capability. Uh, this just, okay, so this list reads like all the things that, you know, as an IT leader, you've been trying to get your organization, you know, trying to mature and grow your organization uh, probably since the 90s. So, uh, but they needed a number 10 and they filled it out nicely. Anyway, Rich and Simon, I think you guys did a great job with this. I actually think there's some really good insights. Um, I picked on you in a couple of places, but I have to do that because the audience expects it. Um, but this is a good, this is a good report and it's kind of, like I said, it's always interesting to go back and read them, uh, afterward. And this isn't too far after it was just earlier this year, but they did say this is what's driving it this year. So, so there you go. I think, uh, in a lot, in some cases, um, some of these things are very significant and some of their insights are, are quite good. That is going to wrap us up for today, folks. Let's see. Is there anything else I'm supposed to tell you about? I mentioned learning about other OGGM podcasts. I mentioned that we're doing the industry mixers again. So if you are in Houston, if you live in Houston or you're going to be in Houston, um, uh, the best thing is just follow us on LinkedIn and you'll find out about when all the things are happening and you'll find out about whatever opportunities you have to, uh, to do stuff and get involved. You could even get involved with our street team, which is a really cool thing. Um, that uh, it, it, street team is in a state of being, we grow so fast that we have to keep kind of taking a step back and looking at how to do things better. So that's happening with the street team right now. But keep keep an eye on our LinkedIn, uh, well, whatever this stuff that we post on LinkedIn, and uh, you will learn about all kinds of things. There's also some some we got some things coming, some new things coming. I can't um, I can't really talk about it yet, but. Besides new podcasts, which are coming, by the way, um, there's, we're, we are a network of podcasts, so there will always be new podcasts. But we have some other things coming that, and, and I'm not talking about events because we, we're not really an event company. We just we do these industry mixers and some other things just to kind of help build community. It's stuff we do for the for the people, but um, but none of us, none of us here at OGGN are getting rich off events. So I can tell you that right now. Um, and uh, but we do have some new program ideas coming and that we're working on here uh, in the lab. And so uh, there will be more to come on that. Uh, I, I don't want to say too much because um, sometimes we change our we change our ideas, and uh, I don't want you looking for one thing and getting another. But uh, whatever it is, it's going to be great. I can tell you that. So. Follow OGGN, uh, Oil and Gas Global Network. I think on, when you look on LinkedIn, it's under Oil and Gas Global Network, and, and uh, you can look Mark LaCour up. You can look me up. It's very easy to find out what's going on, so you should do that. That, that is going to wrap it up for today. As always, thank you to my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman. I think he's going to be impressed, folks, because I did this whole, this is 34 minutes right, right now, and uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any, like, I didn't break it off anywhere and start over. Now, you don't know that I do that because it gets put together very artfully, but I actually did this one in one take. So I think Mr. Mac Roman is going to be very impressed with me. As always, whenever you hear somebody talking, and, and I, I bet you still hear this. I, I mean, I know we're working to change the, the reputation, but I bet you still hear people say, oh, oil and gas is so behind the times when they're slow to adopt new technologies and all that nonsense. Give them the history lesson about how we've been innovating in this industry for well over 100 years. In fact, we were tech before tech was cool. Mm -hmm.
Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. (laughs) 